first i i always talk first no no you talk the most (laughs) (laughs) welcome to our very first podcast moon jockeys podcast will be an in-depth discussion on star wars themes characters and storylines we want this to be a positive podcast that show highlights the best of what star wars is um we want to create an accepting community with our listeners uh we're just come as you are uh, in all of your opinions, and we just like the diversity of uh, opinions, and you will be heard. Uh, we also want to be very re- respectful of one another. I know that some of our differences can rub each other the wrong way, but if we honor what each one of us brings, then we can create a great community, and that's what we want to have. Oh, Brian, I love that. That is a great way to start our very first episode. That's so nice. Um, do you want to tell the people your name and who you are? <laughs> that might be good. <laughs> My name is Brian Bailey. Um, you might have seen me on Twitter. I tweet a lot, at Balls and Play. Uh, I've been a lifelong Star Wars fan, and I just really love it. What about you, Katie? Yep, that's me. Um, My name is Katie. Uh, You might have heard me on a few other Star Wars podcasts that I support on Patreon, uh, like uh, the Wampus Lair and uh, the Star Wars Underworlds Conjecast. I like, you know, going on there and sharing my thoughts and getting to talk to all those great podcasters that, you know, have now inspired me to go out and start our brand new podcast with you. Brian, this is going to be amazing. It's going to be fun. (laughs) Since this is our first episode, we do want to introduce ourselves and give you a brief summary of some of the characters we identify with most actually just one uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) what is our favorite star wars movie and what we hope to bring to star wars fandom so if you're ready let's get started yeah let's do it punch it punch it (laughs) katie what character do you identify with most uh, in Star Wars, uh, my, the character I identify with the most, uh, this should come to no surprise to people that have heard me talk before, <laughs> but it's Darth Maul. He is my favorite. I can't even say that he's my number one favorite character. Like if I had to make a list, like a top 10, he wouldn't even be number one because he surpasses that for me. He's number always. He's number forever. He's number one with little crown and a wand. Like. <laughs> Darth Maul just transcends something for me and and touches something very real inside of me or it's just like it's not just that I think he looks cool or that he intrigues me which is you know all those things are true I love any story with Darth Maul in it all of his comics all of his books uh, and of course just like everybody else I think he looks awesome he has one of the best character designs in all of Star Wars but on some sort of primal personal level uh, Darth Maul speaks to a large part of who I am so I definitely identify with him which sure sounds a little crazy like wait isn't he a bad guy well sure yeah but he's also incredibly complex and just touches something very real in me I feel like we're going to have a lot of unpacking to do with Darth Maul with you. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yes, there's just layers and layers, like an unending. <laughs> what, did, what did Carrie Fisher say about her and, and Princess Leia? It was a Mobius striptease. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's me and Maul. For some days, I, I feel like I am Darth Maul. I want to be him. But then other days, I just think he's really hot. Like, it's it's complicated. Wow. All righty. <laughs> so I'm guessing you're a big fan of shirtless Darth Maul. 
Oh my gosh. Yes. No. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> Just, uh, oh gosh. When, whenever, uh, you know, in the, in the comics or in the, the cartoon series that he's been in, whenever he rips off his shirt, <laughs> I have to go lie down. <laughs> it's that, it's that old Jane Cobb bit, you know, hey, I'll be in my bunk. <laughs> <laughs> I need a moment. I need a moment. Well, of course, we never saw um, Ray Park, uh, the actor who portrayed Maul in The Phantom Menace. We never saw him, uh, you know, uh, reveal anything more than than his uh, neck and face right. with all the tattoos. He he wore boots and gloves and very long robes, specifically to, I think, to, to hide his tattoos. Um, but then, of course, everybody had to wonder, oh, do his tattoos go all over his body? Like, what what's going on there? <laughs> Everybody, there's, okay, there was a lot of fan art back in the early days of the Phantom Menace fandom, and honestly, there still is. <laughs> wow, okay. That's, that's something we're all still wondering about, and honestly, it wasn't until Rebels where we got canonical tattoos for Maul's forearms, and the fandom went nuts. Wow. Well, in the uh, in uh, the Clone Wars, even though we saw canonical tattoos for Maul's shirt and uh, uh, front, his torso and his back, mm -hmm. we his um, forearms were always covered by uh, either bandages or by uh, um, armbands. Yeah. So we were wondering what's going on with his forearms, <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't see them until Rebels. All right. The, the Darth Maul fandom is a is a fun place to be. I've lived there comfortably for quite some time, believe you me. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> I, I am a big fan of Mollus myself, so I understand where it's well, coming from. Well, that's one of those things. I, I, I'm very, very careful about gatekeeping you know somebody doesn't have to be as obsessed with maul as i am to to be a quote-unquote fan of him i would never be like well you're not a real fan of maul because you didn't know that for instance he has an earring i find that so fascinating because i've been obsessed with maul's earring for a long time you know wondering where he got it we have no canonical story for how darth maul got his earring we have a story for how ray park brought that to the character it turned out that he had his ear pierced uh, a week before he got the part of Darth Maul, and it couldn't be removed without the the hole in his ear closing. Yeah, you know he, he had to keep the earring in his ear, and that was such a big deal <laughs> that George Lucas himself had to be asked if that was okay for Darth Maul to have an earring. George Lucas gave the okay, and now Darth Maul canonically has an earring, and most people don't even notice it or realize that it's there. Most people like have their minds blown to find out that Darth has an earring but if you look in Clone Wars and Rebels and a lot of, of if you have a really detailed really good toy of Darth Maul it'll have his earring which is really neat I think you tweeted that or said it on the Wampa's Lair podcast <laughs> and it just kind of blew my mind that Maul had an earring because I had no idea oh yep it, it's just a little silver stud up on, on his uh, earlobe. And what's really fun if you get really into it if you go on hashtag earring watch <laughs> You can see in the Phantom Menace where they, uh, in what scenes they had to flip the film. I guess because it looked better the other way. But you can tell there's some scenes where they where they um, flipped the film around because Darth Maul's earring is on the wrong side of his head. Oh my! You do yeah. go this in this very deeply, don't you? Yes. Oh boy. <laughs> earring watch. I'm always on the lookout. That's so funny. <laughs> for his earring. I think... There's a. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, just I, I don't even remember what it's from. It, it was from Family Guy or American Dad or something like that. But a character said, how about earring tomorrow? And another character responds, no, earring every day. <laughs> That's how I feel about Darth Maul. Earring tomorrow? No, earring every day. <laughs> so did they continue that with Savage? Does he have an earring? No, Savage doesn't have any earrings. He does have a, a broken horn, yeah. which uh, makes him distinct from his brother. But... Uh, no earrings with Savage. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think the character I identified with most, especially as a kid, uh, was Luke Skywalker. I kind of mm, grew good up choice. with mm -hmm. uh, a dad that was all too familiar like Darth Vader. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Luke Skywalker was a very powerful figure for me, uh, especially in Return of the Jedi, when he had faith that Darth Vader could turn back from the dark side um, and the whole wanting your father to be redeemed 
uh, that really resonated with me as a kid. My dad had PTSD from Vietnam and was rather abusive to my mom and my older sister um, and verbally abusive to the whole family. And it was just very rough growing up, uh, unhealthy, until my parents got divorced uh, when I was eight. So, like, it was very um, walking on eggshells. It was never a safe place, and that's not a great environment uh, to grow up in. And when I was a kid, I just... I saw Star Wars um, at one years old, and I saw Empire in the theater at uh, three or four, um, and then of course I saw Return of the Jedi in the theater with my family. So I, Star Wars has always been a huge part of my life, uh, especially with the toys. It was the toys I collected most, uh, especially like around Christmas and when we'd go grocery shopping I would run to the toy aisle so that my great-grandma would buy me a a new Star Wars figure uh, it was kind of cheesy my mom never worried about where I was because I was always at the toy aisle no matter where we were <laughs> relatable <laughs> uh, so yeah I just very I identified with Luke growing up <clears throat> what's your favorite uh, I'm gonna ask a really uh, serious question here uh, I think I know the answer but uh, just to put it in your own words what is your <laughs> favorite Star Wars movie um well what if I just started going dun 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 <laughs> would that give you a little hint it would just a little clue <laughs> yes oh my gosh but believe it or not uh, yes the Phantom Menace um, as, of, as of right now the Phantom Menace is my favorite Star Wars movie um, I'll, I'll, I'll clarify, every Star Wars movie is my favorite Star Wars movie. But if there's one that I'm going to reach for, if there's a Star Wars movie, you know, I, I hey, I'm feeling down and I need Star Wars. Only Star Wars can save me from this bad day. It's going to be Phantom Menace. That's what I'm going to put, you know, that's what I'm going to pop into the TV to watch. It's it's Phantom. It's it's always there for me, man. Like like a good friend. <laughs> I you, love it so much. Do you play it from the beginning or do you play it from Duel of the Fates? Oh, from Duel of the Fates, yeah, that would be good. If I just have like a Duel of the Fates queued up all the time, <laughs> that'd be really actually that that's not such a half a bad idea. You know, if I'm just walking around, you know, and <laughs> maybe someone says something mean to me, puts me down in the dumps. I just like pull out my phone. <laughs> all of a sudden, do 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 do. Mall's entrance, <laughs> entrance in uh, Phantom Menace uh, on uh, Naboo is so oh. perfect. Yes, the way the like, the doors open and there he is. And he looks up. He's like, all cloaked and you can't heart. tell who he is, and he starts taking I... it off. Oh my gosh! No, like. Seeing those three, like, powerful men, like, all about to throw down, and they all just start disrobing. <laughs> like, okay, all right, all right. I, <laughs> I was What I is was it with 11. you with disrobing? With disrobing. No, just hang on. Wait for me. Wait a second. <laughs> hang on. <laughs> just, like, I was I was 11 at the time uh, that that premiered in theaters, and, and sitting there in my seat, seeing that for the first time like the swell of emotions that that gave me were very confusing like, i didn't know what they were Alrighty. i imagine i imagine that it was the same feelings that uh that a lot of uh young people felt when they saw uh Leia in the gold bikini for the first time okay, <laughs> like, this is very true <laughs> just like oh i like that why do i like that so much <laughs> like, just these uh these three men they're all about to throw down but they're like hang on let's undress for his <laughs> own oh, my <laughs> oh, no that wow. yeah that always cheers me up every time is just yeah when that intro of Darth Maul and then how they all just start fighting it's oh and it's so well choreographed that scene oh, but no we're not we're not just talking about Joel the Fates here I really do genuinely love Phantom Menace as a movie and if I do pop it in I watch the whole thing okay. I watch the poodoo jokes I watch the pod race the whole thing that's good 
Yeah, everybody everybody says it goes on too long, and and I, I could almost agree that the uh, that the extended version of the pod race goes on a little too long. But you know, I can't forget how I felt when I was eleven and watching that for the first time, and how that pod race gripped me. You know, it it seems obvious. So of course, Anakin's gonna win. But when you're a kid, you don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> What's going to happen? And literally everything is going wrong for Anakin. He's such the underdog that, you know, I, I was pumped up and I was cheering for him. Honestly, I think the first time I watched that, I, I watched that whole scene with my jaw on the floor. I was so enraptured mm-hmm. by that pod race. It was, it's really good. And, uh, yeah, just the Phantom Menace. It it gets it gets way more hate than it deserves because I feel like it's such a gift and it's such a it's such a good episode one in the way it sets the stage for the rest of the trilogy. Because what I think a lot of people miss is that at the the very last shot that we get with the with um, Padme and Obi Wan and Anakin and the Jedi Council and Palpatine all on that stage together, mm-hmm. those are all our central players for for the rest of the series uh, or at least for the prequel trilogy you know of course luke and leia and han aren't even born yet but all of these central players were brought together because of the story of the phantom menace it is setting the stage for the rest of the trilogy it's such a perfect episode one in that way and i also think it's the perfect gateway into star wars for a lot of kids you know a lot of young kids these days yeah i mean of course there's gonna be people who are like oh, my three-year-old can watch Empire Strikes Back and, and loves it, totally, you know, won't won't take her eyes off the screen. Like, oh, I think there are some kids like that, but I think a lot of kids these days are also kind of almost bored by, by the OT. You know, I'm talking really, really little kids, younger mm-hmm. than five. I think if you have kids younger than five, if you try to sit them down and watch the OT and you think, oh, they're going to love it because I loved this when I was a kid, no, it's been my experience that really young kids like that get bored by the OT. They, they're like, you know, maybe C-3PO makes them laugh, but a lot of the other stuff, they don't, you know, they don't really care about Luke staring out at the sunset. But kids younger than five love the Padres. They love Darth Maul. They love Jar Jar. You know, they're going to be laughing for hours because Jar Jar stepped in that poodoo. Yeah. And if you want to get your little, little kids into Star Wars, start with episode one. Just they're gonna love it, <laughs> and then it's gonna blow their minds when they find out that that little kid, that little Anakin, that little Annie that they cheered for to win the pod race, who was so good and wanted to be a Jedi, like, oh no, he becomes Darth Vader. Like that's that's gonna blow their minds. I do have a lot, a little bit of experience with the idea of introducing your kid to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I am a proud father of a beautiful baby girl. Uh-huh. Um, she is. Uh, my heart walking around basically Um, I love her so much I have introduced Star Wars to her already she's uh, two and a half she'll be three in January Um, and I can tell you for a fact that she's not as interested in the OT as she is in the PT like Mm -hmm. we watch the pod race and she is enthralled the entire time like she's very excited she likes um we watch it very often uh the the extended edition so yeah (laughs) i can tell you it does go on for about 10 minutes Mm um well like um george lucas said that he made the phantom menace because he wanted something that his kids could be able to watch and it it does it has that faster pace that kids these days really want they need something that moves along at a decent clip and doesn't have too many scenes where we're kind of standing around staring at the sunset stuff like that and of course that's not to disparage a new hope and of course there were tons of kids uh, you know, in the 70s and 80s and even today that, you know, we'll watch that and and get a lot out of it. But I I also think it's a mistake to completely dismiss the Phantom Menace and, you know, the parents who say, well, I'm not even going to tell my kids that the prequels exist. Well, that's, that's a mistake, especially if your kids aren't into the OT. Try the PT and it moves along a lot quicker and it has those kind of quippy jokes that the kids are just going to be laughing at. I think I think it's a real gift, and and uh, a lot of people don't see that, and I wish they would. I honestly think that John Williams' best work is in the uh, prequel trilogy. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. He just knocked it out of the park in Phantom Menace uh, and going forward. I agree. The um uh the duel of the fates. I mean, obviously, uh you know my theme song. I I, I walk around. You know, like we were saying, do 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 do. <laughs> I open a door. Do 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 do. Do you speak Sanskrit in your dreams or anything? <laughs> I mean, all the time, compulsively. <laughs> uh, so obviously, Jewel of the Fates, amazing piece of music. But then also, of course, Across the Stars is really good. And the, the music that plays when Anakin says goodbye to Shmi, that always hits me really hard. And then, of course, the, uh, um, the what's it called, the, the Naboo celebration yeah. at the very end of Phantom, the way that piece of music echoes the Emperor's theme from the OT, but nobody, nobody in that moment hears it or recognizes it. All of our characters in during that celebration, of course, they're all happy. They're all celebrating. You know, the enemy has been defeated. The planet has been united. They, they, they see nothing but bright clear skies ahead of them but in in the in the song that they're singing is the echoes of the emperor's theme they have laid the groundwork for the empire to rise and palpatine to succeed uh and and none of them know it the the phantom menace has prevailed (laughs) and it's just lying there underneath all their celebration and john williams brought that to to this trilogy and it's it's like you said some of his best work it absolutely amazes me what he was able to do like i think it totally illustrates how the shroud of the dark side is um blinded the jedi mm-hmm. uh it's right under their nose that the phantom menace of the phantom menace is standing right beside them and they have no idea uh, yeah exactly everything is falling into his plan as he's plotted and schemed for decades and they Mm -hmm. have no idea um yeah it's just it's pretty amazing just the the number of times in that trilogy where the jedi kind of lean back in their chairs and go "Mm, that sounds fake you know like (laughs) qui-gon saying i think it was a sith lord what attacked me in the desert and Mace Windu just goes, uh, they couldn't have returned without us knowing. Or when Queen Amidala, uh, sorry, uh, Senator uh, Amidala says, hey, I'm pretty sure that Count Dooku tried to kill me. And then literally every man in that room has to be like, no, he would never do that. She's, and then it's, yes, he did. <laughs> Guys can be stupid at times. Uh, yeah, just the the number of times the Jedi in, in the PT, or sorry, yeah, in the PT kind of sit back and go, no, we're, we're, we're up on it. We we know, we know what the Sith are about. <laughs> we, we got this. We're fine. And then all of us in the audience are like, guys, you really don't. <laughs> you you don't. You don't know where this is going. We know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. I think. Are you done talking about the Phantom Menace? Um. Just. I mean, I can never truly be done talking about the Phantom Menace. Have you reached a good point where you're satisfied? <laughs> I think so. For the for the moment, yes. I, I am momentarily satisfied with how much I've praised the Phantom Menace. Beautiful, perfect Star Wars film that it is. We hadn't even covered the double bladed lightsaber. Oh, the double bladed lightsaber! Like, what a good idea that was. And don't tell me that that didn't blow your mind the first time that you saw it. It absolutely because did. Well, yeah, of course it did. We didn't know that a lightsaber could do that. I mean, sure, maybe, you know, weird lightsabers had been covered in the EU and stuff like that, but we'd never seen anything like that on screen before. And just this idea that somebody could have a double-bladed lightsaber was just like, <laughs> that's the sound of my brain exploding the everywhere. The lightsaber duels of the Phantom Menace blew him yeah. entirely. Uh, it mm-hmm. was so fast and so intense yeah. I loved every second of that. Well, yeah, I've always read it as, you know, these are, you know, a Jedi and 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 Sith at the top of their game, being able, you know, they can predict the future and feel each other's emotions and read each other's moves. So, of course, it's going to be bam, 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 super quick, strike after strike after strike like that. Because it's not like, you know, two masters sitting down playing chess being very calculated. Or if it is, it's, there, it's like speed chess. They, they just know what the next move is going to be. And it's just strike after strike after strike. It's 
it yeah it blows my mind <laughs> every time i still love it i think the movie i love the movie i love the most is empire strikes back mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. it was the first movie i may have seen ever in the theater and it's the one I immediately attached to, uh, like, my two favorite characters in all of Star Wars are Vader and Yoda, and those in Empire might have, uh, it has my favorite Yoda, uh, like his character in, in Empire Strikes Back is my favorite, and then mm -hmm. uh, Vader I love dearly, dearly, dearly. Uh, in Empire so much uh, just recently my favorite Vader got bested and uh, became Rogue One but oh it's a good Vader <laughs> <laughs> I love Vader so, in Empire a lot though was was Empire Vader your favorite Vader before Rogue One yeah. or yeah definitely yeah gotcha Beca mm -hmm. the thing I, I love the trash talking <laughs> that Vader does on Cloud City. Yeah. He's like, the entire time, he's just all too easy. Impressive. Oh, snap. Most yeah. impressive. Perhaps you're not as strong as the Emperor thought. Like, <laughs> he's just bad-mouthing Luke the entire time. The Force is with you, young Skywalker, but you are not a Jedi yet. And it's just, I, I love how much he's kind of playing mind games with Luke to see what is he really made of? Um, yeah, no, that that's really smart. That's really good. I hadn't really thought about it that way before. Uh, you know, of course, Vader has always taunted Luke, but I love how that taunt changes between uh, Empire and Jedi, where in Empire, you know, all these insults are kind of, you know, stabbing at Luke's ego. And of course... <laughs> this makes Luke upset, but by the time Jedi rolls around, those kind of, you know, stabs like, oh, too easy. That wouldn't really affect Luke. He's he's beyond that. You know, he's he's kind of beyond those those little stabs at his ego. But what does get to Luke in Empire is, you know, sister. You have a twin sister. <laughs> that that cuts directly to Luke's heart. Yeah. And and that's yeah, that's real smart. I hadn't really really thought about it that way before. And yeah. Vader only uses one hand on his lightsaber and kind of just toys with Luke, whereas Luke is double-handed mm -hmm. the entire time. Yeah. Um, so he's just kind of bat batting him away as as opposed to really trying to attack him in any way until mm -hmm. uh, the when they go underground or in the room and they get sucked out the window. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, then the yeah. Yoda... In Empire is so amazing um, and he's so different from the prequels I did not see it at all in the prequels when I was watching um, 1, 2, and 3 I didn't understand it uh, and I don't think that it was explained to us very well but Yoda in the prequels is not the Yoda in Empire at all and I completely I agree understand that until we got the Clone Wars and the Yoda arc of season six. Mm -hmm. um, like, because I expected Yoda to be as knowing as he was in Empire, and he totally wasn't. He was blinded and fooled, just like all the other Jedi. And he was very flawed in the prequel trilogy, which is yeah. hard to watch, being no, the I... Yoda lover that I am. Yeah, no, I completely agree. If I can, if I can jump in there, uh, I, you know, ab absolutely. I I did see uh, the OT before I saw the the Phantom Menace. You know, even though I, I was I was young, um, and and I, it was always very very clear to me that the Yoda in Phantom Menace was not the man that he became in Empire. They they felt very differently. Very, very different to me. Well, mostly because, you know, when little nine-year-old Anakin is standing in front of Yoda and Yoda's reading his thoughts and, and saying, you know, fear is the path to the dark side. I sense much fear in you. He, he's basically looking at Anakin and saying, well, just by simply having fear, by simply having these emotions, 
you're doomed. You're not worthy of being a Jedi just because you have these basic human emotions. And as a young person myself, I knew that if I were to stand in front of Yoda, he would see all the yang anger and fear inside of me and find me wanting and say, you're not worthy. You'll never be a Jedi, which was so chilling and weird. I'm like, Yoda's kind of a bad guy in this movie. <laughs> and and so I, I I always understood that that this trilogy, this prequel trilogy would be about Yoda becoming the man that he is uh, in Empire, you know, which which I understand is harder for maybe people who grew up with the OT to figure out, which which, uh, you know, is you must unlearn what you have learned, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, take what you think you know about Yoda and pick that apart. But I totally agree that it's explained or explored much better in the Clone Wars and it makes it much, much more clear that, you know, in the in the PT, Yoda thinks he doesn't have anything more to learn. He's what, nine hundred years old? Exactly. And he think he's like, I've I figured everything out. I know everything. I I'm totally totally got all this. And then what he has to confront in the Clone Wars uh, cartoon is that he, there's always more to learn. We're always learning. It doesn't matter how old you get. You're never going to have everything figured out. There's always a new lesson. And so he has to confront that hubris, and he overcomes it and then becomes the person that can train Luke. I think, and I think that's really – it's really good. It's really powerful. I think it's very easy as we get older to – lose the humility of mm-hmm. knowing that what we don't know and thinking that we know everything or mm-hmm. like we get overconfident in our, in our experience um, and I think that that can blind us to new discoveries and uh, for growth opportunities and I think that the Yoda arc allowed him to, to see those things that he didn't know um, and to get a better understanding of the force so him and Empire is so different and so awesome. I do mm-hmm. love the fact that he gives uh, Luke a sort of test at the beginning when he first sees Yoda. He mm-hmm. acts very goofy and um, he plays the <laughs> fool, uh, much like Jar Jar was mm-hmm. in The Phantom Menace, to kind of give a test of Luke to see what do you do with someone that you don't necessarily respect right away um, yeah. and how do you treat them uh, and it, it's a par- it's a powerful situation I love it oh man to to jump off of that <laughs> I, I have something very similar to say about Jar Jar that I just yeah I want to put out there that idea of of yeah the fool like how how do you treat someone who you see as beneath you, you know, someone you maybe see as stupid and worthless, you know, Jar Jar has so much to bring to that first movie. You know, he helps, uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan find Odaganga. He helps them get through the planet core. He, uh, gives Padme the idea and the ability to unite the Gungans and the Naboo. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, I said Yoda, I meant Jar Jar has a lot to bring, but it takes someone like Qui-Gon to be able to see it. You know, of course, Qui-Gon is kind of begrudging about it, but he's not like Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan would dismiss Jar Jar completely, but Qui-Gon, you know, even if begrudgingly, sees that there's some sort of value in Jar Jar. Like, he's Qui-Gon opens himself to letting, you know, the Force. The Force brought him and Jar Jar together for some reason. He doesn't see it or understand it yet, but he has to let it grow and breathe. And then, of course, it does in, in major ways. And Padme and Jar Jar are able to unite their two people by the end of that movie. And that's beautiful. Yeah. And just, you know, something I wanted to say about Jar Jar was that um, when I was 11, <laughs> Jar Jar cracked me up. The <laughs> Stefan and Pudu, hilarious. <laughs> 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 like, Getting getting farted on, <laughs> like Lusa. <laughs> I just it killed me. I'm 11 and I am rolling with laughter because Jar Jar is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Now, by the time Attack of the Clones comes out, that's three years later. I'm now 14, 
And <laughs> the person you are when you're 11 is not the person you are when you're 14. <laughs> no, no. And my generation was there to give you all the negative impressions about Jar Jar. You could. Oh, exactly. Oh yeah, no. I was I was so much more wise and worldly by fourteen. I I knew now the 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 truth that Jar Jar was stupid. Jar Jar was the the worst part of that movie. Jar Jar never should have existed. Jar Jar's dumb. So you know, Jar Jar shows up in Attack of the Clones, and I'm like everybody else, all boo. Jar Jar so stupid, so dumb, but that never really felt right to me because I mean, even, you know, I I have to look cool. I have to, you know, I can't be that, that lame teenager who still likes Jar Jar because he's for babies. Right. Uh, but I, I could never really forget how much he made me laugh. And I was, I was ashamed of that for a really long time. And so of course I just hung on to, you know, Oh yeah, Jar Jar's so stupid. Jar Jar's so dumb. But then we got that scene of Jar Jar's fate in, in, uh, the aftermath, uh, Empire's End where Jar Jar is is basically a clown on Naboo. He, he's a street performer, and he performs uh, to the delight of children. He, he just puts on little dances, little comedy routines to make the war orphans and the refugee children laugh. And what I thought was so smart about that scene was that none of the adults laugh, and the Naboo and the Gungans alike all ignore Jar Jar and and the adults just really aren't charmed by him at all but the children laugh oh they 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 cheer they say oh we love how he falls on his butt he's so silly and just that scene just made me really admit how much Jar Jar made me laugh because of course he did I was a kid he makes kids laugh and that's what he's for his role in that book was the same as his role in the movie you know, just as he's making children in the street laugh, he was there to make me in the theater laugh. And and in that moment, I had to kind of like look at myself in the mirror and ask myself, when did I become so cynical that I couldn't share Star Wars with children? So just, yes, I, I'm so sorry, Jar Jar. You were so funny when I was a kid and I love you and you're here. You belong in Star Wars because children belong. You know, Star Wars belongs to all of us including the kids so absolutely like yeah i'm sorry that uh, by the time attack (laughs) of the clones came my generation had corrupted you to become cynical and lost Uh, a little bit no (laughs) we probably would have been cynical anyway because i mean you know everybody goes to that teenage phase where you don't want to like baby stuff right that's so stupid you know so i it would it would have happened anyway. I think um, I I do feel like your generation is a little harder on the prequels than they need to be. But you know, time heals all wounds, right? Yeah. And I feel like the further we get from the prequels, the more they'll be beloved. Honestly, I think I think people will come around to Jar Jar and, and maybe see him in that more uh, favorable light and understand like eh, he's for kids. I was twenty three when uh, Phantom Menace came out, so. I was already in that cynical phase uh, <laughs> You're like, when oh, it came to Jar Jar. <laughs> but I, I've just really come to appreciate him, especially how much he's meant to the younger generation. Every mm-hmm. person I talked to loved Jar Jar uh, from the get-go that was younger. And if they connected so much with him, then you have to make room for him. Like, he belongs, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, uh, you know what's funny is that um, I remember, uh, gosh, this this must have been shortly before Phantom uh, came out because I was openly watching Star Wars at, at my own house, which took a, took a, a long time because <laughs> my, my mother wasn't really sure about letting uh, letting her kids watch Star Wars. But I'm watching, uh, which one is it? Is it Empire? Where uh, C-3PO is freaking out in the back of the Falcon and Han Solo's just trying to fly the ship. (laughs) But C-3PO's being such a pest that Han Solo just reaches back and shuts him off. 3PO didn't have a leg in Empire. Um, That might have been it. Okay. Then it must have been. I'm sorry, I can't. I I don't. Or it's the asteroid field when... Um, oh, it might have been the asteroid. Shut him field. up or shut him off. Yeah, that must have been it. And then Leia or Chewie or someone shut him off. Yeah. I, I think that must have been it. I'm sorry. I, I honestly, sadly, don't have the OT memorized like I do the the pre the PT because I watch the PT like every day. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
oh, you know, uh, growing up and stuff. Sure. Like it was, it was just on all the time. That that three year gap between the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, I don't think I touched the OT. It was just all Phantom all the time, honestly. Back uh, in I the think VHS days. Yeah, VHS. I think well, because I remember we got Phantom on VHS, but then we also got it on DVD when we got our first DVD player, and Phantom was the first DVD we ever got. Um, but where where was I? What was I talking about? I was talking about um, oh, so C three. So I'm watching C three PO get shut off, <laughs> and I and I asked my mom why did they do that? Why did they turn him off? And my mom just groans and goes because he's really annoying, <laughs> and that that struck me like that really hit me like because I really like C three PO. I thought he was funny, and it hadn't occurred to me that to everybody else he was just a pest. Annoying. And I think Jar Jar was much that same way. Where of course C three PO belongs in Star Wars. Yeah, he's a pest, but everybody loves him. Like even the way he shows up in the sequels, <laughs> you know, his first shot. Yeah. <laughs> where he gets in between Han and Leia. Oh, you may not oh, have recognized me with my red arm. I wanted to punch him so bad. <laughs> like, just because I was really excited to see what Han and Leia would say to each other. And C-3PO just cuts in. I was like, not now, 3PO. <laughs> like, but of course he belongs here. He's super annoying, but of course he belongs here. And it's the same with Jar Jar. Sure, he gets on your nerves sometimes, but he belongs here. He's part of the story, and people love him. They really do. Well, I mean, look at Ahsoka when she first came out with the, oh, yeah. the Clone Wars movie. Everyone yeah. couldn't stand her because she said Sky Guy and R2E, and yeah, she was... didn't respect uh, Anakin at all. And I, yeah, I was right there. I hate the so Sky Guy. So many people wrong. <laughs> I did, yeah, I was right there too. I did not like Sky Guy. It just, it, yeah, that rubs me, that still rubs me the wrong way. Ahsoka's come so far though. <laughs> like, I I admit, I still find that really early stuff with her kind of hard to watch. I think um, it was in the first yeah. season that she started calling him Master. And then after mm -hmm. she started calling him Master, it got a whole lot better, better yeah. faster. But well, I mean, I she's one like... of the favorite characters now from the Clone yeah. Wars. Exactly. Like she's come, she's come so far where, and that's, yeah, that's such a good lesson that the person who, you know, annoys you <laughs> at first, you know, steadily becomes more beloved. I feel like Ezra is going to be that in the next 10 years or so where, you know, we'll get all excited to see Ezra again. And like, you know, assuming something terrible doesn't happen to him at the end of season four of Rebels. You know, there, there'll be some future project where it's like, oh, are, is Ezra coming back? Are we going to see Ezra? Like this kid that started off super annoying <laughs> and we didn't like him at all. Now he's like this icon of a generation. It's going to be, that's my prediction. Ezra's going to be the new Ahsoka. <laughs> yeah, I think he already is. I, yeah, because I have a hard time with Blueberry as mm -hmm. it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> He, yeah, but remember when everybody started calling him Blackberry? <laughs> when he changed Blackberry. his hair. Oh. Yeah, when he changed his hair, and then all of a sudden the fandom started calling him Blackberry instead of Blueberry. <laughs> I just find that nickname so uh, funny. Cause... Same. <laughs> well, I didn't call him Street Rat or Space Rat. Yeah, Lost Rat. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, mm-hmm. So did I? <laughs> yeah. So back to my, I guess, original original point is I love Empire. You should uh, watch it again. I probably should. I I have to admit, uh, Empire and Revenge of the Sith are the movies that I'm least likely to reach for. If I'm reaching for a Star Wars movie, it is probably not going to be Empire or Revenge of the Sith. Usually, like there's like a fifteen percent chance <laughs> that it's going to be one of those two. Because they're kind of downers in, in their tone. You know, bad bad things happen in those movies. And, and they don't leave me feeling good. I mean, yes, uh, both Empire and Revenge of the Sith ultimately end on a, on a hopeful note. Like, hey, sure, things are bad, but things could get better. And, but it's still, I still, I don't feel the same way after those movies as I do after watching uh, Jedi or Phantom or... Or even Rogue One, really. <laughs> I think Leia, at the end of that one, does a lot to make me feel really good. Um, but, uh, 
you're right. I, I probably do owe those both of those movies another rewatch sooner rather than later, especially Empire. I I, I don't give it the, the attention it deserves because it really is a great movie. And I understand why it's so many people's favorite. It uh, just on, on my for myself, my own personal, uh, you know, ranking it. Uh, it it's the one that goes in the DVD player the least just because of the way I feel afterwards. I think Luke grows so much in Empire. Uh, That's it's not true. funny. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in A New Hope, he's just a farm boy that barely knows anything about the galaxy. Like, mm-hmm. he's still thinking about joining the Academy of the Empire. Um, yeah. And... In Empire, he takes so many risks to learn more about the Force and his experience at the cave on Dagobah. Yeah. The tree of Dagobah. Let, we're mm-hmm. going to mm-hmm. have a lot of conversations about this tree. Oh, I, I, I can't it's wait. <laughs> like a, a real tree. I think mm-hmm. there's actually a structure there. Perhaps sure. a Sith uh, temple. Or something <gasps> like that. That would be cool. Oh my gosh, yeah. If they if they like quote unquote retcon that with the new canon, you know, I mean, it wouldn't really be a retcon, but you know what I mean. If they expand the lore in that way and be all like, hey, guess what? There was Sith stuff on Dagobah. That would be amazing. I'd be here for that. <laughs> I don't think that they ever will explain it fully, but I seriously no. think that th- there's yeah. something special about Dagobah. There's a reason why. Qui-Gon told Yoda to go there. There's a reason why there's there's a structure in the the magical tree uh, where mm-hmm. Luke has his trial um, mm-hmm. and sees Vader. Yeah. And Jason brought up a point today on... Jason on the Wampa's Lair? On the Wampa's Lair. Mm-hmm. It kind of blew my mind. So, like, in the trial on Dagobah... Luke cuts off Vader's head, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically kills him by cutting off his head. But in Return of the Jedi, when he has his furious moment of, um, if you will not the turn, then perhaps she will. And then he says, you know, never, and starts beating him up. Yeah. When Luke has him cornered on the scaffolding and starts wailing on his uh, lightsaber he ends up cutting mm-hmm. off his hand not his mm-hmm. not cutting off his head and by cutting off his hand he gives himself a moment to to look and see how going down the path of anger and um, seeking revenge it, he's becoming Vader himself like mm-hmm. that moment just gave him the clarity and a moment of um, to, to realize what he was doing so that he could choose another path and to go the pacifist way of throwing away the weapon and saying I'm not going to become a Sith like my father because I'm not going to fight anymore um, yeah. and like I think that that's a very powerful moment and he says the magical line that everyone loves yeah, I am a Jedi. <laughs> you failed, Your Highness. <laughs> I, am so I am a Jedi. No, no worries. Yeah, it happens. But yeah, the line, I am a Jedi, like my father before me. <clears throat> so that, I think that mm-hmm. that's just a really awesome thing. Yeah. Uh, and now, like, what, uh, uh, if you don't mind, I, I yeah I see something very similar in that moment because um, I you know I'm sorry no sorry when uh, in, in that moment where Luke cuts off Vader's head inside the tree and he sees his own face inside that mask I've heard a lot of people say that they interpret that as you know Luke sees how he could become Vader. And and I think that's a very, very legitimate read of that scene. And and I don't I, I don't see why you can uh you know mute yourself. <laughs> I did, didn't I? <laughs> no, I could still hear you cough. <laughs> uh, well, 
Oh, it's all right. We're still figuring things uh, figuring things out. Besides, this is going to be like the hilarious first episode, you know, like <laughs> after we get more into a rhythm and stuff, people will, you know, listen to the first one and be like, wow, they sound so funny. <laughs> yeah, don't listen to <laughs> this. This was forever one. ago. Yeah, <laughs> that was forever ago. I can't believe they've come so far. They're so much better now. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully people will say that. That'd be great. <laughs> um. Anyway, I, I, I don't see why, um, uh, you know, see, scenes like uh, like Luke's vision inside the tree can't have multiple interpretations. Why can't they, they can all be right? You know, we, we, we can all be right <laughs> at the same time. Where I, I think it uh, that the read of that scene where Luke sees how he can become Vader, uh, you know, especially like when in Jedi, when he looks at his own robot hand and how he's cut off his father's hand. You know, oh, I I am also going to walk down the same path and become him if I'm not careful. But what I get specifically out of the scene where he's inside the tree and he cuts off Vader's head and then sees his own face inside the mask, that for me is the idea that when you kill someone, when you kill someone who, even if you think they're the most evil person in the world, you kill a part of yourself. And at this point in the movie, Luke doesn't yet know that this man is his father. Right. So of course he thinks, yeah, there could be nothing more right or and just in the world than killing this man who is at the head of the empire. He's the emperor's great enforcer. He's this powerful evil person and he needs to die. He deserves to die. And so of course Luke cuts him down, but then finds out that he just killed a part of himself. He killed his own father. And that's not good. That's not right. And and so when then in Jedi when he you know looks down at what he's doing and what he's done he's like I I don't even see this man as my father right now I I was striking out of anger I was striking out of my fear and my hate and I don't I I don't choose that way I am going to act out of love and forgiveness and yeah. not anger mm-hmm I think yeah. forgiveness is a powerful thing. Um, yes. Because it it releases you, um, even if the person doesn't want it or doesn't deserve it. Yeah. <clears throat> it forgiveness is a is a personal choice, and you know it. What's right for one person isn't right for another, and I think you can forgive someone without ever wanting to see them again. Again, it, it's you forgive someone for you and not for them. Right. You forgive them so that you can have peace and move on. And uh, what I find very interesting is that Luke is able to find that forgiveness, but I'm not yet sure if Leia does. Um, I, I'm working through Bloodline right now, the novel. Yeah. And it still seems like Leia has an awful lot of baggage when it comes to Vader, and I don't think she's quite found that forgiveness, that that comfort in. Or, uh, she she's not yet comfortable with the idea of who her her biological father was. He did destroy and, her whole planet and everybody. She exactly, ever exactly. And so I mean, it's not like Vader never hurt Luke. I mean, Vader hurt, hurt Luke in some very real ways. Cut off his his hand, <laughs> like. Um, so I, I'm not saying it was easy for Luke to forgive Vader, but I, I do think Luke was able to come around in a way that I, I'm not sure if Leia has or, or ever will. And, and I, and that's very, very interesting to me how we can, you know, show both of these sides, both of these things, Sure. you know, yeah. Where forgiveness isn't necessarily always easy or maybe even going to happen. I, uh, I don't know. I just I'm I'm very intrigued by that, and I want to see where it goes. I think it, they should be very different because mm-hmm. when you have siblings, they choose separate paths. They may have similar yes. backgrounds, but they're not going to choose the same path. Um, yeah. I know I'm very different than my sisters, um, and mm-hmm. but we grew up in the same house, so I hope that she does have a different path than Luke. Yeah. No, I agree. I I have a sister as well. And uh, the the way we process and deal with things sometimes can be very very different. Um, in general, she is more passive and forgiving than I am. I'm 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 the one that's quick to anger, <laughs> and she's uh, more even headed. 
Uh, so I, I think it is it is very real that Luke and Leia can be very different in that way, even though they're they're twins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, what are you hoping to bring to Star Wars fandom with this podcast? Oh, well, with this podcast, of course, I hope to discuss. <laughs> that's what that's what I truly love. That's what I love most about um, being on Twitter, honestly, is just being connected to uh, other Star Wars fans in that way. I mean, of course, we're, we're very limited on Twitter, only 140 characters, but it's still really neat to just be able to, to talk and to communicate and, you know... F- be excited about these things about hey i just picked up a new star wars book and then somebody tweets back at me oh yeah you're gonna love it i read it that that's amazing like it's short and it's quick but for some reason that's just so amazing to me but then being able to talk to you more at length i just love that being able to dig into what i'm thinking and feeling about a scene which then differs from what you're thinking and feeling about a scene like (laughs) we discussed so many scenes tonight where we just had different experiences and and that's another thing i hope to bring to this podcast and to the star wars fandom in general is my experiences of course my my experience with star wars my interpretation of star wars how i interact with star wars is is all unique to me uh, you know there, there's you know there might be people who share my opinions but nobody else in the world is going to have my experiences and be able to articulate what i see in this great wonderful beautiful galaxy far far away the same way i do and that's that's what i want and i want and just as much i want to hear what other people have to say and think and what you have to say and think because of course my experiences aren't your experiences your experiences are totally unique to you and that fascinates me i want to hear all about it and hear your star wars memories and hear your star wars theories so i just yeah i want to analyze discuss theorize (laughs) all of it as i've told you before you are very very well spoken and eloquent and the way that you share your opinions, it's, it's great. I love listening oh, to it. So I'm really excited you. to be doing this with you. I uh-huh. hope that... Uh, I think I bring uh, a tenacity to be vulnerable, uh, to take risks in sharing what I feel and uh, what I find. I really want to reflect uh, encouraging truths that I see in Star Wars that will help people in their daily life. Um, I want people to feel like they're not alone, uh, that there are other people like them that are, uh, that love Star Wars and Mm -hmm. just share how much I love it and why I love it, uh, so that they don't feel alone. I think a lot of the times in the world we feel isolated or like we don't fit in. Um, and I want to create a space where people do feel like they fit in and where they can, make it their own you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah and I I also just want to uh, be pass on what I've learned in yeah. my old age <laughs> I love that pass on what you have learned <laughs> that's beautiful oh that's wonderful I like that a lot do we want to wrap things up, you think? I think so. Oh, all right. Well, gosh, yeah, that concludes our very, very first episode of Moon Jockey's podcast. Yay! Yay! <laughs> we did it! <laughs> Virtual high fives across the internet. <laughs> gosh, oh, well, I want to thank everybody for listening in if you're listening to this i think you're amazing and wonderful you're a beautiful person <laughs> it might take us a couple weeks to figure everything out yes um, i apologize mm-hmm. for any flaws that i make and uh yeah we'll get better with time i'm sure oh yeah oh i you know brent i had just so much fun with this i i don't even care if if it's just you and me talking into the void this is it's just fun to sit down and talk star wars but yeah a of course we'll always uh, try to get better and better but let's let us not disparage the moment because i i had a lot of fun with this and i think it was well worth the effort Th- thanks me too yeah 
So, of course, um, if any of our listeners would like to reach us, you can tweet us at MoonJockeysPod on Twitter, or you can send an email to MoonJockeysPodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Brian, thank you for chatting with me tonight. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> if people want to reach you, where can they do that? At Balls and Play on Twitter and Instagram. Wonderful. Um, yeah, once again, I'm Katie. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Poe Hot Dameron, which is the best name ever, honestly. That's pretty good. <laughs> I really, yes, I, I, it tickles me every time I see it. <laughs> like, that's the point, right? You got to make yourself laugh yeah. <laughs> some days. Some days that's all you can do. <laughs> um, oh, I want to throw a huge thank you to Jason Hunt for our intro. Uh, on Twitter, he's at Jason Voices. He did our, our wonderful Hondo impression during our intro, and I love it so much. Jason, thank you. It sounds so good. Honestly, the first time I heard it, I had to go lay down. It was so wonderful. Jason, you're amazing. <laughs> Jason, you're amazing. Thank you. Um, you can, like I mentioned, you can find him uh, at Jason Voices. Uh, just one word, Jason Voices on Twitter. Um, you can also check out his amazing podcast with Carl LeClaire at Wampa's Lair on Twitter. That's just, yeah, that's the name of their podcast is The Wampa's Lair, and it's absolutely wonderful. They have almost 300 episodes now. They've been doing this a lot longer <laughs> than me and Brian, obviously. We're just starting. <laughs> and and they, they, they're so fun. They have such a good rapport. I mean, honestly, they, they don't need me, <laughs> you know, advertising their show. They, <laughs> they're, they're really cool. But uh, I... Again, I just wanted to show that uh, throw a huge tons of gratitude, all the gratitude to Jason for recording that intro for us. Uh, we love you, Jason. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and may the force be with you. Always. Mm -hmm.